It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. Thorpe's coming in gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. Ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne, and he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Australia got it. Australia is back on the biggest stage. Welcome to this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. As always, we're here for our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, today we're joined by Pioneer. Debbie Lee has long campaigned for the recognition of women's football in this country and her years of doggedly chasing that dream were celebrated earlier this year when Debbie became the first female inductee into the AFL Hall of Fame. Debbie, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks very much for having me. I know there's so much water that's obviously gone under the bridge, not just for you, but the women's game in, in its entirety. But let's just start with that tremendous honour, if we can, that you received in August of this year. What did it mean to you, Debbie, to be told that you were going to be inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame and the first female inductee at that? Well, it certainly came as a surprise, to, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously been involved in women's football for a long time and, you know, you don't look for these things, but it's certainly, um, yeah, it was certainly nice to be acknowledged. And I, and I think the nice thing for me was that um, in some ways it also acknowledged, again, uh, women's football, being the first woman to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And not only the first woman, but also um, for my time and effort in women's football. So I think it was, um, you know, a great acknowledgement for the sport as well. And I imagine one of the most satisfying parts for you might have been knowing that you probably, almost certainly, won't be the last either and that the real legacy of all the hard work you and others have done over such a a long period of time. Yeah, well, I I think that's the motivation of of the effort you put into something, isn't it? So that others can reap the uh, rewards. Um, And and as we can see now, you know, the AFLW competition, you know, next year we're going to have all AFL clubs represented and certainly... um, there's wonderful women that have made a huge contribution to the sport and um, I'm hoping that they'll they'll join me in the Hall of Fame very soon. Indeed, and the AFLW, as you say, a fully-fledged uh, competition, every club represented from next season. And we're speaking, Debbie, a week after an incredible grand final, uh, but it must have been the source of tremendous pride to you, I imagine, to have two female presidents steering the ship as well, like Kate Roffey, new on the scene at Melbourne, and Kylie Watson-Wheeler, pretty much the same at the Western Bulldogs as the two presidents. Yeah, well, if you look in the um, in history, the last four years, I think three of the premier um, the premiership uh, 
wins have come from um, presidents being female. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting how the commentary's changed. I, I find it, uh, which is a good thing. You know, um, you know, five, ten years ago, we were all scoffing at women being and holding these positions, and now we're celebrating, which we should be. Um, but certainly, um, it was absolutely fantastic to see um, two women presidents um, competing in the AFL. Final. Indeed, and Peggy O'Neill, obviously the other one, uh, a big figure at, at Richmond in recent times as well. I suppose, Debbie, to really add meaning to your journey to the here and now, anyway, we obviously need to go back. So while there is not only acceptance now, but a celebration, there was a time, of course, as you know better than anyone, before AFLW, and it was it was unglamorous, it was unpopular, and for some even, the subject of ridicule, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know I, I joined the sport um, in 1991 as a 17-year-old young woman who just loved footy, um, like the girls and women of today, um, and and men that love their footy. And uh, my early experience wasn't, um, I guess, glamorous as as you would say. Um, it wasn't something you celebrated. It wasn't something you vocalised. Um, because you were set up for ridicule and people couldn't quite understand why women wanted to play football and, and the conclusion they would come to most of them was we wanted to try and be better than the guys we wanted to play with the guys and that was so far from the truth mm. um, so you know it, it's all about change isn't it and, and early on you know um, people um, just didn't quite understand our motivations and, and simply the motivation was we loved the sport um, and we wanted to play it uh, and, and the sport had been around for 150 years in, fr- in front of us, so, um, you know, why not? Um, but, yeah, whilst it was a difficult and challenging journey, certainly within my own small community um, in those times, it was also a fabulous journey that I'm very grateful for. You mentioned your own small community. Take us back to Parkstone Avenue, Pasco Vale. That was home for you as a kid, wasn't it? Yes, certainly was. Um, Parkstone Avenue was where it all started. That's where I learnt my craft. Um, I've got uh, two older brothers and an um, older sister. And, um, you know, these are the times where you would hear the kids playing in the streets and you'd have your billy carts and all that sort of stuff. And, and our, our thing was playing footy um, every every day after school. And I'd, I'd compete against, um, you know, boys that were older than me. And I think that helped. Um, and yeah, and I guess when they moved on, I continued to just play on my own for years and years and years. And I guess that's where it started in the humble streets of Pascaval. Yeah. So is that what drew you? Was it your older siblings that actually drew you to the game initially, Debbie? Can you track it back to a certain moment or point in time? Yeah, I, I would say that just having the influence around footy. Um, you know, I, I remember and, and have mum and mum and dad have got a photo of me. Uh, I think I'm three and I'm holding mum's hand selling raffle tickets at the local footy club. So, you know, that was my life is um, built around community and footy on a weekend. So, you know, I was um, introduced to that very early on. And then I just connected with it. Um, you know, I used to watch the, the footy every Sunday when the Swans would play. I, they used to have that um, segment. Yeah. Um, and, just, you know, I used to sit there and watch, watch games um, all on the weekend and I just had that connection with, with the game. And I, I guess that was installed at a very early age. Um, and then I had the opportunity to play, um, you know, when uh, in the neighbourhood. We just played neighbourhood games every weekend. Um, so, yeah, that's where, where it all, all began. Tell us about these street games on Parkstone Avenue, because this is where it all started before you got to club football, obviously. You're playing on the road, skin off, I imagine. And, and am I right in saying you weren't allowed to play if you cried? That was among the rules? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I'm playing with 15-year-old boys. The last thing they want to deal with is, uh, you know, a, a young 8-year-old um, crying. So that was part of the deal, uh, which probably sort of set me up for my resilience, to be honest, when I look back now. And, you know, I suppose I was, a, for a female um, footballer, I guess I was quite a physical sort of player in my day. And that came from the, the streets of Parkstone Avenue. And it was bitumen and it was... Um, it was tough and, uh, you know, we, we had a grand final at the end of, of the year and we ran through banners. So, it was, you know, to <laughs> us it was the real deal. Um, it was a lovely upbringing. It's absolutely lovely upbringing. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. What were, the, what were the teams? There's normally when you're of this age you have your set teams in place. Who were you aligned with? Oh, funny. Funny you say that. Uh, um Shane O'Brien, who was a great footballer, he, he could have he could have gone on, and uh, he was very talented. So I teed up with him, and then there was my brother and his best mate. No, they, they were pretty sizable guys, uh, you know. They were sixteen, seventeen, and I've um, I'm running around, you know, uh, in my my ten year old uh, self. So um, yeah, and I think um, Shane and myself, we, we won many of the battles too, which uh, <laughs> you know they, they would argue today. Fantastic. So your love of the tackle, Debbie, had its seed in these moments? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say just, you know, um, playing amongst the, the boys, even beyond the Parkstone Avenue days and then into, you know, we used to play and meet on a Sunday and play with the neighbourhood kids and majority of them were all boys or all of them were boys. So, you know, they, they are a different, you know, type of um, way they approach footy and it's a lot more physical than the girls and, and when you're that age, it's different too. So I think that was instilled with me and that's all I knew um, I wasn't a very highly skilled footballer um, but certainly could 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 hold my own in terms of the physicality and, and find the footy was probably where I added some value Yeah and I mean I don't mean to keep coming back to the difficult times but they're so interwoven in your journey I suppose Debbie am I right in saying that when your older brothers actually moved out of uh, home and your sister as well you would as you alluded to earlier keep kicking the ball by yourself out the front but you wouldn't do it if a car drove past you went and hid in the bushes yeah, it's a funny, it's funny. I only sort of contemplated that, uh, or reflected, I should say, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and so I thought, why did I, you know, as a, I was in grade five and six, why was I doing that? Like, mum and dad didn't, you know, they were encouraging around playing footy. It was, but what I realised, it was because I couldn't see it. Um, there was nothing out there for a young little girl to see that women are okay to play in footy or be in footy. No coaches, umpires, anything. There was nothing visible. So, um, and, and, I, and I remember, and I talked to my son about it, you know, even when I went to primary school um, as a grade five and grade six, I wasn't allowed on the oval because um, I was a girl, um, let alone try and play footy. So, you know, there was all these um, barriers and I didn't know them. Um, it's just the way I guess I reacted, um, particularly when, you know, a car came around the corner. Yep, I didn't want people to see me play footy. I didn't want people to see me have a footy in the hand because um, it was odd. It wasn't something common. It wasn't normalised. So at a very early age, um, I guess what I was experiencing um, was, you know, maybe maybe setting myself up to, to what was um, my journey ahead because um, there was many battles. There was many battles... There was many awkward times. There was many uncomfortable times for me in, um, you know, as president. You know, I remember going to a um, president's meeting. I was the only female. It was the first time I was invited and no one spoke to me. Mm. And there was just no set of, there was no, I had no value. I had no value to no one because I was female footy. Um, really interesting how humans change when oh. value becomes strong. And I saw, a, I saw a real change in people and even some of those people that, 
turned a blind eye in the early days, then reaped the rewards uh, when AFLW came along. So mm. I had to learn to let that go uh, because I did, to be honest, become a bit bitter um, around, you know, um, self-gratification of some people. Yeah. Um, but, but my focus um, has always been um, that fairness piece and, um, you know, trying to add value and create opportunities for women. That, that's been my focus all along. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Next, a teenage Debbie Lee dips her toe in the water of the local women's footy scene and the passion grows. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. She's humble. She's authentic. She's devoted to others. She just does not give up. It's really hard to think of a more deserving person, man or woman, to be entering the Hall of Fame for Australian rules football. Debbie Lee has done more for football than I can think of any person in the history of the game. There's not many people that have contributed to footy and you could say have genuinely changed the entire game. And she's done that. Great to have your company on This Is Your Sporting Life, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're with women's football pioneer, Debbie Lee. So, Debbie, you're into your athletics. You played basketball for the Coburg Cougars, I think it was, in the National Women's Basketball League, so a pretty high level of basketball. But what kept you coming back to footy? Because that was the overriding passion, wasn't it? It was. It was. I think it was just it was in my DNA. Um, I got to basketball pretty late. I started as a 15-year-old, and funnily enough, the old stadium burnt down. So that's the end of that sort of pathway. Um, I did continue to play in the CBA. But, um, yeah, I guess we found an article in the, in the newspaper, and we just weren't aware that women there was a women's competition. And we couldn't believe our eyes. My friend and I went down. Her dad dropped us off and um, down at East Brunswick Scorpions. And we couldn't believe when we turned up. We thought we were, we were going to be okay. We thought, you know, we've got a good chance here. And we, when we got out of the car, these women could kick the football, mark the football. They were doing these drills. And we just, you know, um, had found a, a sport that we didn't think existed. Um, and that was really exciting. And I guess... Um, you know, that was the, the catalyst of, of my career. Um, and I guess uh, the, the Scorps finished up in 93. They folded and went across to Sunshine and said, I'm not going to let this opportunity go and um, started a women's team then. Incredible, yeah, because not long after that 91 experience in East Brunswick, you do start your own team, don't you? So the drive to grow the game was strong in you, even as a teenager, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I can't actually um, put my finger on it around where this came from but it was just I think it was just the enjoyment and the fun and you know the opportunity that I thought well didn't exist all of a sudden existed um, so how could I continue it and I guess you know part of it was going out to the Sunshine YCW Spurs and having a chat there and getting all everyone I knew who played sport yeah. to come down um, and it was just great and that's where it's sort of you know the Spurs are still in existence today and you know, I'm really proud of that. Tell us about those early days at Sunshine YCW because there was T-shirts, there was sticky tape numbers, there was battle for equipment, and, and I can't even imagine. What were those early days like out there? Oh, you know, I, I even smile when, when you ask the question because, um, yeah, you did, we just, we just it, was, it was amazing, to be honest. We, we've, our first match was um, T-shirts, I remember, yellow T-shirts, blue Lycra, raw blue Lycra um, bike pants, 
and still you take numbers and you know we're like okay every every number had a one or a nine or something that was pretty easy to to work out um and that was our first match um at kindersmith reserve um and you know it was it was an interesting time the boys came down that afternoon thinking um, you know, they'll support the women's team, but their sort of support was let's hire a, um, a spar and drink copious amounts of alcohol. So mm. didn't really end well, didn't end well. Um, and I guess I felt a bit of a sense of guilt that day when I, when I reflect because I, I asked so many women to come down to really um, kick this off and really help me start, a, start the team and fulfill a passion of mine. Um, but the end result in their experience wasn't great. So... Um, but I guess what, what it did do in the early days, um, and this is where women's football is different, I think, and, and, and you can see it in AFLW, it, it galvanised. So our girls and our small community galvanised. We're almost a club within a club, to be honest with you. So was that almost one of the darkest moments, Debbie, but also, well, it's like the old saying, isn't it? As darkest before the dawn. So as difficult as it might have been on the day for the reasons that you mentioned, it, it lit a fire inside so many women as well. Yeah, it did. I did. And I think one thing that was has been really constant for me has been um, those types of experiences or the no's or the disrespect that have just, it, it just fires me up more. It gives me greater, um, deter, greater determination. Um, and I think, you know, that's just something that luckily I've, I've got in my DNA uh, and had. Um, and I think what I've realised is it's all come from that value. Um, and as you get older, you sort of reflect, and it's around, you know, I've got a real strong value on fairness. Clearly I have, clearly. And, you know, and it's not just about uh, gender equality. It's about anyone, uh, male or female, around a fairness piece. If I, if I feel that, see that, or experience that, that's the thing that really um, uh, triggers me to, to try and make change. And this is something that, reading between the lines here, you've, you've, this has been innate in you, isn't it? I mean, I don't know whether you get where you get that from. It's not something you've developed. It's something that's been inside you since as long as you can remember. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's a, you know, you sort of have a look at um, your experiences and your journey, and I guess it's just asking the question, why, why, is, why can't we do that, or why isn't, why haven't we got the same opportunity? Um, and often there's no real answer. Um, you know, um, and I think it's just history that has caused behaviours mm. and such. But I guess what, what the great thing around the AFLW competition, whilst we've got wonderful women being able to play at the highest level and clubs and, you know, more girls being able to see the game, um, it's been really great um, and, and refreshing for the industry. I mean, we have conversations about, we have Pride Round now, we have all sorts of different conversations um, that are really organic and genuine. And that's another great um, outcome, I think. Just going back a bit, Debbie, we know you love to play the game and, and I guess your passion for driving its development we're getting through as well. But were you much of a footy fan as a, as a, as a little girl, VFL, AFL at that stage? Who did you barrack for? Who was your favourite player? Yes, I barracked for uh, the Bombers. Um, and my... Uh, sorry, I barracked for the Bombers and my favourite player was um, Tony Bahaja, world number 20. Right. Um, so I used to go up, I used to go up to Windy Hill uh, with Dad and, um, and, and my brothers and then they moved on and it was just Dad and I. And, yeah, this was the era where we had Timmy Watson and Gary Folds and um, Tony Elshaw and Billy Duckworth they were, and Vanderhaar. So that was sort of my... Um, 
footy experience, and that's when I used to go to Windy Hill. It was awesome. Fantastic. You're with This Is Your Sporting Life, and it's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can visit them at tobinbrothers.com.au. We'll be back with AFL Hall of Famer Debbie Lee right after this. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. We're chatting with five-time Helen Lambert medalist Debbie Lee. Debbie, just on that, your football resume is Simon Black-like. It just keeps going and going. So over 21 years, you played 304 games. You're a five-time Helen Lambert medalist, as I say, which is a Victorian Women's Competition Best and Fairest Award. You're a seven-time club Best and Fairest winner, six-time All-Australian, 16 state games for the Big V, three-time Premiership player. You did find time to do your ACL twice, I think, and you were even VWFL president while you had the boots on and you were still playing. You had a full book. Yeah, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time, particularly being president. Um while playing, and and that that presented so many challenges. Bit of banter like, out on the I field, think, I'd imagine. Oh yeah, and I remember one time, um, I was I was playing, and it was a final, and it was a draw, and I was a president, and we had to make the decision, and I'm on the ground, you know, in my <laughs> footy shorts and footy boots, and I'm kitted out, and I'm like, get the rule book, get the rule book. Um, so here I am, you know thinking about how we're going to win the game and trying to figure out, okay, what are the rules? Well, so, would it depend um, on whether your team had a bit of petrol in the tank, whether it was going to be extra time yeah, or you just come back next oh, week? Poor old Spurs, you know, uh, they probably got the raw end of the deal many, many times and many decisions. Mm. But, yeah, it was it was an interesting time because I, I think, um, you know, it's hard for people to understand um, around what I was trying to do as well, you know, being a president and player. And, and I've got to say, it wasn't something that, um, you know, I wanted to be everything. Um, people would put me forward. And, and, you know, in that time, there was not many people that wanted to do it. Um, so, you know, the committee and, and myself and the committee, there's some great people, Anne Rawls and Lisa Caddo, Nikki Graves, you know, Shiloh Curtis have made a huge contribution to Victorian football. And, um, you know, we, we sort of just, and they all were players themselves. And that's what, that was what you did. Um, but, you know, I think once, um, you know, I left the game, people probably understood um, my motivations. But while I was in it, it was a pretty challenging time. You didn't ever get reported while you were president, did you? I did. I got reported once. While president? Um, yeah, and oh. I got off. So that was just another <laughs> nightmare. And, oh. It was actually, the, the, the club actually, it was Darwin Falcons, and the club actually took me to, um, uh, they appealed it and took me to AFL Victoria, um, and we went and had to do a, um, a tribunal city, independent one, and I got off on my good record. <laughs> oh, jeez. You wouldn't have heard oh, about that, that in the weeks after? Oh, jeez, that didn't go too well. Didn't go down too well. It was a rule, <laughs> it was, a rule I was told. We, we know, most people listening we know can relate to the fact that playing the game can be hard, but it's fun and it's rewarding. What about growing the game? Is it the same sense of satisfaction or, or arguably even more so? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and I think, you know, people talk to me all the time around, oh, do you miss that you haven't played the AFLW competition, um, you know, as a player? And I've got to be honest, um, I yeah, I would have loved to play. Yeah, I think anyone would. Uh, in my era, but um, geez, I'm I'm really privileged to actually still be involved in the sport and have the opportunity to continue to grow and grow athletes. Um, and I think you know the great thing about working at a footy club is you go with the, the emotions, the highs and the lows. But yeah, the 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 ability to um, with a team, whether that's administration or a, or a coaching team at club level, um, to actually grow and see people grow, I, I think that's great. I think that's that's what well, that's what keeps you going. Yeah, it really does. 
You, you must shake your head now that we've got, obviously, a fully-fledged competition, um, TV rights, the, the full bit, and yet media coverage is great too. And in your time, I don't know what the media coverage was like. It would have either been non-existent or probably largely discriminatory. Getting equipment must have been tough, funding impossible. I mean, you must shake your head at how far it's come in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the catalyst was we needed the AFL machine behind it. Um, and, you know, I think, it ha- you know, we had to go on the journey. We had to bring people on the journey. You know, one of the biggest things we did in our strategy was to bring people to the game. So the decision makers needed to see the girls, talk to the girls, understand it, watch the game. And that's when we really saw some, some movement. But, yeah, early on, you know, the, the, the articles that were sent, you know, were written about us were all around, um, you know, just the headlines were horrific, let alone the content. Um, but now it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, you know, we see someone like Daisy Pearce who, you know, um, her childhood dream was to be a commentator and have a look at her now, you know, mm-hmm. um, being an analyst and, and, and really um, holding her own in the AFL men's grand final. Gee, she, um, so, she I was just going to say, Debbie, your induction in the Hall of Fame painted a very vivid picture of you as a player because, of course, you just crossed over. She's just starting. And um, it was the word fierce got mentioned many times. Yeah, poor old days. You know, I remember, um, you know, as a 16-year-old when she came to the sport and she was always going to be a talent, but she's one of a, she's a diamond um, day. She's a great human too. And she's um, represents our sport and women really wonderfully. Um, but um, yeah, I guess, I guess it's great. I mean, you know, these are great opportunities, you know, the girls uh, as players, but we're seeing more opportunities for women and presidents and, you know, people like Daisy and, you know, even Laura Kane has recently been, um, you know, appointed um, to the AFL um, and she's come out of, you know, Melbourne Uni and she was president there in the early days. So it's really nice to see that women who have really contributed to the game and know their staff are getting the, the, the opportunities they deserve. And that, that's a really great um, result, I think. Gee, there must have been some funny moments for you on the field, Debbie, over the years. You, you played for so long and, and especially largely trailblazing as well. I know you shared the story earlier about... While you were president in the extra time, but there was a funny story you've, I think you've told previously uh, when you might have been short on numbers and you, you yeah. asked someone to play. Was it Keller that came to help out as a top up yeah. player? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, you know, it's early days, first year of footy, and you're yep. trying to get your numbers and, you know, people have got things on. So I reached out to one of my friends and said, I'll come down. Um, she turned up um, with, you know, painted nails, makeup. She she was she was ready to play. She was she was great. Um, high shorts, shorter shorts she could find, and um, off she went. And I said to her, just just go and follow number twenty, um, the player. So she, off she did. And she followed twenty first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. I couldn't find her. Um, and next thing I know, I look across to the opposition bench, and uh, here she is sitting next to the number twenty uh, player on the opposition bench, um, which was quite. You know, she did follow instructions, but that's an absolutely true story. Um, and, you know, she took she took my instructions literal. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's completely followed instruction. That's a very true story. That is amazing. We've numerous stories. We've got numerous stories that uh, um, happened when we were, um, you know, uh, you know, playing the game. I've got one more. I just want to ask one, and I'll put you on the spot. Have you got another one you can volunteer? I don't think I've ever heard of anything, anyone doing what Keller just did there, following their uh, opposition player to the bench. And I'm putting you on the spot, but is there one more you can share with us from those early days that um, that took you by surprise? Yeah, there was there was probably a couple. There was one where um, you know uh, at half time, my my best mates decided to um, have a smoko, um, and I was trying to change things. So I said, "You just can't have it." And I started them on the bench, 
in the third quarter, um, trying to, you know, change Discipline. a little bit of culture yeah. around our club. So they didn't speak to me for three weeks. And then there was another player, um, for, for some reason, I don't even know where this player came from. Um, she, her name was Melissa Green, I think. And she, um, she came onto the bench after half time with a hot dog. Sitting on the bench eating a hot dog. That's a true story. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's half time. We usually get a hot dog at the, at the footy. Yeah, you're playing today. You're playing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I reckon that's happened in the men's game, and I reckon that's pretty common in yeah. Juju's as well, Debbie. You've got a hot, oh, canteen hot dogs, magnificent at uh, at the yeah. grassroots level. Hey, we're talking to women's footy trailblazer Debbie Lee right here on This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Next, we've got a bit to talk about because we're going to revisit when Debbie helps take the women's game to the big stage. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. It's been great to have Debbie Lee as our guest today. Debbie, getting the female game truly noticed and acknowledged by the professional games power brokers at AFL House, how did you go about doing that? Well, it was uh, Sam Austin, really, um, was the first point of contact. This is when Sam was um, commissioned on the, on the on the board at AFL Commission. And, um, yeah, we were I think we were in Canberra, and I invited her down because she was um, obviously a resident there, and uh, we, it was a national carnival. Um, and she was the first um, decision-maker um, who actually came along um, and saw the girls. And she was really... Um, one of the key people that started the dialogue at the AFL. Um, and this was, we're talking 2008. We're talking, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, even earlier, um, where she actually saw the game and started to um, present it at that level. Um, and thank goodness um, I was fortunate enough to meet a wonderful woman um, uh, in Sam. So how did you actually get in touch with Sam? For the, it's, I mean, this is an AFL commission member, of course. How did you actually mm. seek to – was it just a cold call, an email, or how did you yeah, seek to do it? Yeah, we just reached out to her, just reached out to her through, through email and then um, tried to follow up with a phone call and just explained our position, what we're trying to do. And, um, yeah, it was pretty nerve-wracking. Um, you know, I was pretty I – was, I was a lot younger then. You know, no one sort of gives you the toolkit to, to go, how do you go about it? But it was like, we're just going to get these people to come and see the game. And we thought it was a great opportunity um, for that to happen. So, and, and, and thankfully, she accepted the invite to come down um, and uh, get involved in the game. And obviously, we also got her involved in, you know, um, the tossing of the coin and all that sort of stuff. So there was, you know, part of the, part of the um, grand final of the National Carnival. Um, and yeah, and, and that's where, you know, we continue to have contact. And she really helped us. She really helped us guide us and also helped us in how to perhaps, you know, strategize and actually get some um, momentum. And where did it sort of go from there, Debbie? I mean, was this around the time you were working at the Melbourne Football Club or the Western Bulldogs, or was it that did that come later? This was probably, it wasn't when I was at Melbourne, it was yeah. probably even earlier. Um, you know, perhaps at the at the Bulldogs even earlier then. Yeah. Um, and I guess then what we started to do is um, we also started to, um, another, another great human being was Grant Williams. Um, and I remember sitting at Windy Hill, and I asked him to come down. That was when I was working at the Bulldogs the first time. And um, he was um, the CEO of AFL Victoria at the time. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the time we were sitting there and it was, I think it was ready to start. And this is where the time you had games after games after games and you'd play like, you know, New South Wales versus South Australia. And then you'd play like three games in five days, 
was ludicrous. Yeah. Um, and nine o'clock, and we and nine o'clock came over, and you know, I just I couldn't um, believe it. Uh, a, a bunch of women walked in, and they had their rescues, and I turned to him and I said to him, um, "This is why I need your help. We've got to change this sport. We've got a great sport here, but I need your help." Um, and uh, yeah, from then he was also able to. You know, help help guide us and um, you know um, give us some a platform to sort of grow the sport. Um, but it did take a long time. I mean, people say you know yeah. a lot of people say you know twenty twenty seventeen was when we first started the um, yeah I think twenty fifteen sorry was the exhibition series twenty seventeen AFL W just didn't take long, but it, it did. I, I remember going into the AFL two thousand um, and six or something and seven two thousand six and seven before I was even at Melbourne. And have a conversation with some decision makers in there, and they're like, "It's not going to happen." We were just talking about AFL um, clubs having AFL women's teams, and it, you know, I went in there, presented, and didn't hear for two years. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, it, it was it, that was all behind the scenes, um, and I don't want to be, um, you know, um, concentrate on the on the on the, the challenges, but it, that was that was my journey, I guess, and you know. Um, you just had to keep going down and knocking the door down. And, and what happened is we, we brought weight of numbers. We got good weight of numbers and when good weight of numbers that um, had influence. Um, and that's what I needed to do. And we, we, we eventually got there. Which yeah. was great. And Mike Fitzpatrick, he came down and watched the, when he was chairman at the time, watched the exhibition series. And he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it um, when that was played at the MCG between Melbourne and Bulldogs. And that really was a catalyst. Um, and Cam Swab and Jen Watt and... Karen Hayes, people like that, they were the ones that really were able to fast-track um, and, and provide a platform for, um, you know, women's footy. I, I remember sitting in the office, and I was only pretty new to um, Melbourne Footy Club, and they were all talking about, how do we grow this game? How do we get more supporters? And there was all this China strategy. And I sat there, and I, afterwards I went up to Jen White, and I said, I've got an idea. I said, I think, um, why, don't we get why don't we start putting our effort into women's football? Um, and that's when it really um, started to take off. Um, and that's where the exhibition series um, yeah. grew from. That exhibition series is huge, wasn't it? So obviously in Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, those exhibition matches had spawned, and you had the best 44 female players running around on the MCG. So I guess it was something tangible, wasn't it, for the likes of Mike Fitzpatrick and, and company to really hang on to and have a look at? Yeah, yeah, and they could see the game. They could see the quality of the players, and they could see the skill, and they could they met the players afterwards and, you know, they got that human um, aspect to it as well and understood why these girls loved the footy and all the girls were so grateful for the opportunity. Um, and that, that exhibition series, I mean, it was even the draft and how we ran the draft that time. Sam Lane hosted the draft and it was just, yeah, it was, um, it was a really great moment. Um, and it was, you know, as I said, the catalyst for the AFLW and we had to show, we had to show and showcase the game to more. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when we when we fast forward to the first game, who would have thought it would have been a lockout at, um, you know, Princess Park? You must have had so many shake your head moments. So the lockout at Princess Park, I can't imagine what you, you thought when you had 53,000 show up to an AFLW mm. grand final. I mean, there must have been so many moments for you, Debbie, where you just couldn't believe what you were seeing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was funny. And, and um, you know, it, I guess it's not a surprise to me. Um, and it's, I only say that because, and it's not me being arrogant, it's because of the community and the people I've worked alongside. I always knew that these girls were tremendous. I always knew what they could do and the game and the output. And then there's this whole other audience 
that just never that never just people saw. There was a whole audience around women and the support of women in sport, and we saw that. Um, you know, and the great thing is, is you know, you come to our games even at the Winton Oval, and what do we see? We see lots of women. We see lots of young men. We see lots of families, and it is a different crowd to our AFL men's matches, and that's good. That's a great thing for our sport, and it's a different game. And I think that's fantastic and has been so refreshing and gives another opportunity for um, another audience to actually see the great game that we have. And I know you won't want to, Debbie, blow your own trumpet too much here, but if you hadn't persisted back in those early days, and as you say, the years prior to Sam Moston coming back to you, do you wonder where we might have been? Would someone else have picked it up? Would you still be banging your head up against a wall? Do you wonder where the sliding doors moment, I suppose, where we might have been? Had you, had you just thought, ah, I'll move on with life and do something else? Oh, there, there were always, you know, something like this is 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 um, achieved by a number of people. And, you know, sometimes we forget the, the great work that others have done, even in other states, mm. you know, like, um, you know, Libby Sadler from um, New South Wales and um, Jan Cooper, who's in um, Western Australia, is still working, Michelle Cowan, you know, there's so, um, Bree, Bree, who looks after the Brizzy Lions, has been involved in women's football up there for a number of years. So there's this whole cohort of um, women who really battled in each state. Um, and, it, and it was just fortunate that Victorian had a you know stronger presence in football, and that's where it sort of kicked off. Um, so there's a whole co- cohort of women who have, um, and men, but mainly women, who have really grown this sport. Mm. And um, there was, it was always going to happen. I guess it was just how quickly. And, and thankfully, we've had a lot of women who who are like-minded like myself, who just didn't give up and who are determined and who love the sport. And and we've got to say, yes, um, it was challenging, but let's not forget, I've got a lot out of this myself. And, and let's put the accolades aside. That's lovely. But I've got a lot out of it personally from reward, from growth, from friendships, from experiences. So, you know, um, whilst there's been a lot of investment from myself and others, um, geez, I wouldn't be in the sport if I didn't get anything back from it. And each day coming to the Bulldogs and, you know, I'm, 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 happy, I'm very happy at work and it's, it's, it's a great experience for me. No, well said. We'll get to the here and now in a moment. I, I suppose just taking an umbrella view, though, Debbie, of it all and the growth of the game, the women's game, how do you see it now? How much further do we have to go, do you think? Yeah, look, I think the end goal is we've got to get full-time athletes, don't we? Mm. That's got to be the end goal. Um, and I think that's a natural progression. Um, I think we've still got a bit more messaging and around um, women in the sport and how we, um, you know, give women the opportunity. And I think coaching is one of those um, opportunities at the moment um, and how we continue to grow that. Um, and we, and that will grow, absolutely. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's still... Um, the piece around investment for me. So there's probably three things. There's um, how do we make the athletes become full-time? How do we make sure that um, the staff um, are given the opportunity to support the athletes and there's pay quality there? And then the other thing is, is how do we continually give opportunity to women and, um, and, and males as well, but, you know, in, particularly in the coaching spaces. Yeah, you mentioned the coaching. I was going to ask you, the fact we don't have, obviously, the, and a bit's been made of this, the upcoming season, a, a single female coach in the AFLW. Is, is that a something galling for you? Is that a glaring problem? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think, I mean, at our club, we've just um, we've appointed Mel Hickey as um, assistant coach. We've appointed Kirby Bentley 
who's just come out of um, the system as well as the development coach. We've got Natalie Wood. So um, we've got absolutely three women in, in our program. But, yeah, there's um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting piece, isn't it? Um, if you don't have a woman in your program either as a um, decision maker or as a coach, I think you're at a disadvantage. Mm. Um, and I would say that because um, footy content's footy content. But um, women and men, we, we, we do think and tick differently. So um, I'm pretty strong on that and I might get um, challenged on that. But, um, yeah, we, we are different creatures and you need someone in your program to actually cross that if um, you want to you you keep your, your program growing. Is it something that needs or can and needs to be addressed, Debbie, or do you think the natural evolution, it'll, it'll work itself out for the best? I think probably a combination of both, you yep. know. Um, there's, a, there's a woman who probably, you know, we talk about um, Bette Goddard and we talk about Peter Searle and so we should, but there's a woman, um, Jane Lang, who's Senior Assistant Coach of Melbourne. Now, um, I, I, I think she's wonderful. I, I try to get the Bulldogs every year. Um, she, she's ready to go. She's absolutely ready to go. And if I was um, one of the new AFLW clubs, I'd be hunting her down. Um, she's a teacher. She's been um, at Darabin Falcons for a number of years, won premierships, and she's been at Melbourne Football Club for four or five years under the um, uh, under Mick Stenier. Um And she's uh, she just quietly goes about her business, but she's certainly um, one that we don't really hear of. Um, and I think she's um, a wonderful human being and, and is absolutely prime, ready to go to coach an AFLW club. And before we let you go, Debbie, no doubt you've got plenty keeping you busy at the moment. You're the GM of uh, women's football, obviously, at the Dogs. You're a member of the AFLW Competition Committee. We're building towards a, a new season. COVID makes life difficult as well. How's it all shaping up for you and the, and the league this year, do you think? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, we kick off pre-season this week. So, uh, you know, that's really exciting. Um, I think we're really fortunate that we're, we're able to um, continue to train through these really challenging times. Um, we're grateful for that. And also, hopefully, once um, we get started and we, we can bring some pleasure to the, the community as well through through having and hosting and opening up our doors, hopefully, in January for the game to be played. But, um, you know, it's going to be a better season. It always gets um, stronger, faster. The girls are fitter. Um, so the, the game will go up another notch. And, um, you know, that's just wonderful. I think the product we saw last year was amazing. And the athletes just keep getting better and better. And it's really getting, it's, it's an entertaining game. So, um, you know, the Bulldogs, we're working hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to the season kicking off. Debbie, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up today. I mean, your determination, your devotion to the game you loved and the people who play it has really genuinely changed the fabric of our game for the better. And you can't say that about many people. You're a player, a volunteer, an umpire, a coach, a president. I've probably missed many others, but you pushed among the hardest and we're glad you did. Well done on all you achieved and thanks very much for joining us. No, thanks very much for having me. It's been great. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate the life of another sporting icon. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.